It's Window Nation's semi-annual sale, and it's a big deal. Right now, get 50% off all windows along with no interest for five years plus bonus savings when you schedule a consult today. If your windows leak, get foggy or hot, or you're paying high utility bills, that's a big deal. With Window Nation's semi-annual sale, you can replace your windows and save a big deal, too. Schedule a no-obligation in-home estimate now. Call 866-90-NATION or visit windownation.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is Matt Spiegel, and I can't wait to bring you Season 2 of the PBP, Voices of Baseball. The very best play-by-play voices in the game talk about their craft. It's a job so special that even Joe Buck told us he will probably go back to it. I'm 53, basically 54. I, I think it's too early to say nevers at this point in my life. I think at some point I'll get the itch again. Incredible guests sharing great stories from your favorite teams coming this year. Find us on the Odyssey app or wherever you find podcasts. This is is the Go Birds Podcast. Podcast presented by Parks Sportsbook and Casino. Elliot Shore Parks. We're back at it, buddy. A nice, a nice, I would say relaxing week off, but it was not a relaxing week off, but it was a week no. off. <laughs> but this Tuesday pod is new because normally during the week we'll do the preview pod, we'll do the parks pod, we have the radio show. This is just kind of a free-for-all pod. Just we, you know, wanted to record. Felt like a while since we did a normal pod, since we did the Saturday show. So just excited to kind of, you know, talk about this three, four, and one team and what the future might hold. So what you're saying is we're doing this one for the people, Elliot. Exactly. That's and what it is. Ra- random thought. But this Love weather a good this random week, thought. Yeah, the weather this week is insane. Like It's unbelievable. People, it's like the middle of November. It's like 80 degrees, 75 degrees out. Yeah, so I would imagine as like most people these days working from home, you know, I'm inside most of the day. I have on a sweat sweatshirt, sweatpants. I walk outside to get the mail and it's like I'm like hot. So it's just very weird. I might motivate myself to go for a run outside. But, uh, you know, I'm just I'm just happy the bye week's over. And now I have some purpose in my life again when it comes to this Eagles team. Look at you. Look at you. Need that purpose. I leave the house every day, so I can't relate to you on that one. Yeah, you definitely just can't relate. I get it. My wife has left the house like six times in the last few months, so I get it. I feel like everybody's life changed besides yours. I know. It literally is not literally nothing changed with your life at all. Like my daughter still goes to daycare. There was one day they had one day where they were closed, and they got a one of the like a waiver because there's a lot of like you know it's Penn hospitals. There's a lot of people who have kids who work at hospitals and that. So it was like. More important for them to stay open than to close. So there was one day this whole time where my, where my I, I'm so lucky and I get that. I, I understand it. I'm sure a lot of people, so, very different experience during this. 
Yeah, one little thing that's changed in my life that's proven to be a big thing is now that Kristen works from home, her uh, her alarm doesn't go off at 6.30 every morning. Ooh. So now, yeah. So I know you can't relate because you have to wake up early because of, you know, the, the young queen. But uh, And the job. Now, like, so, yes. Yeah, well, and the job. But I'm normally not out of bed now until like 8.15. Wow. So that, that's been a nice, a nice wow, switch. Wow, buddy. I am deep in the throes of show prep at 8.15. I'm jealous. Well, someone's got to produce the goat show, you know. <laughs> You're damn right, buddy. Um, I also have a TV recommendation for you. Oh, oh! I have a TV recommendation. I'll throw one back at you. Let's see yeah, if it's the start, same start one. This. All right, this is a well-known show, but I'm telling you, it is amazing. The Undoing on HBO with Nicole Kidman. Oh, okay. So that was actually on my list. It's good. Oh, it's so good. Okay. It's so good. I just watched the third one. I have a. I think I've nailed down who I, like how this is going to end, but I'm also very good at predicting how shows end, so that shouldn't be surprising. But I is very, very good. I would recommend it to anybody out there looking for a show. The only downside is that it's coming out a week at a time, so you can't binge watch it, which is a, a major buzzkill. But it's three episodes in. I believe it's going to be six episodes, so it's almost halfway done. Maybe just wait three weeks and binge watch it, but I would highly recommend it. See, I'm okay with that. I, I, I like binging too, but I, I can... See, I grew up with the, you know, watch it every week thing, so I can get back in it. I mean, Game of Thrones was oh, like that. It. I know you I do. I, trust me, I know you. All right, I'll throw them back at you. My show is also quite popular, it appears, these days, but I had no idea. I just, I saw someone tweet about it or whatever, and I was like, oh, what's that? And I looked, and I'm like, this looks really cool. And now, like, everyone's into it, so I'm not going to sound as cool as it, the initial right. decision to watch it was. But Queen's Gambit is awesome. Yes. Like, it's just awesome. It's just awesome. Yeah. It's a real, I'm only five episodes in. It's only seven. So it's not, not a big commitment either. Fantastic show. Just a really yep. good show. So Kristen started that show without me. So I got in like an episode and a half into it. And I still really, really enjoyed it. I would also highly recommend that. Surprisingly, not based on a true story. Yeah. Which is interesting. Because it feels feel like it should be. Yeah. It felt it. like it. Yeah. yeah. All right. Good stuff. Um, so check yeah. out the Queen's Gambit. Check out the Undoing. Rate and review the podcast and tell us how much you like them by giving us five stars and get us closer to taking the SATs. How about that, Elliot? So speaking of the reviews. Oh, and also left... give us other TV recommendations because we're always looking for them. Absolutely. Maybe a good Christmas movie recommendation with Christmas coming up, mm -hmm. even though it doesn't feel like Christmas right now. Someone left a review asking if I was drunk during the last pod, <laughs> and I can't tell I can't tell if that was because of my takes or because, as James knows, I was having issues with my mic during the radio you show. You were. But I didn't think I sounded drunk. I went back and listened to the pod just to make sure my like it didn't sound slurred or anything. But, yeah, so leave a review. Always honest feedback with five-star reviews is what we like. But, no, I was not drunk during the last pod, needless <laughs> to say. I can uh, – Confirm he was not drunk. You were having yeah, a, he bold was, move. so inside baseball. Elliot was having an issue with his headphones where everything he said was kind of a second behind, so it was like almost yes. an echo in his ears as he was talking. And I've been there, it's tough to do that. So let's give him a break. I could promise he wasn't like the drunk, true, so. <laughs> like the true professional I was, though. I just sounded drunk, so you know, there we go. <laughs> I, I worked through it. Um, I worked through it. All right, let's talk some Eagles, as even though you know it is a uh, uh, an extra pod. We we like to dog Eagles here, so let's do it. Um, coming up in a few, I want to get some second half predictions. Is obviously it's rare, you know, the Eagles bye week. It's always a different week, as we know, but it's rare you actually get the first half and the second half so easily demarcated like this. So our second half predictions, we'll do those a little later. Just a couple news items I want to touch on, and obviously we'll be back later in the week with our preview pod and our normal stuff, the Parks pod, all that. But um, just some new stuff before we get into our predictions. 
Uh, Elliot, you know, a lot of Zoom conferences still going on this week. Let's get into a couple of those. Press Taylor spoke, which uh, we don't get to hear a lot from Press Taylor, who someone who is, you know, seemingly a very important member of the organization, at least in their eyes, and yet we don't hear from him very often. Uh, What did Press have to say? Yeah, it's interesting to listen to Press because I would say more so than, like, Doug has proven to be somewhat willing to criticize Carson this year. Press is still very much in dance around the Carson criticism mode. Like, he really doesn't kind of rip into him, which, you know, I don't, I can't blame coaches for not ripping into their players publicly. If I was a player, I would not enjoy that if, you know, they, they have to know how to manage their guys. So I can't, can't be too upset at Press for not doing that. But it also plays into this idea that, Press Taylor is Carson's best friend, and you know he just isn't coaching him hard enough. So uh, he had a few interesting quotes that I thought, uh, sp- you know, were somewhat worrisome. He had, uh, of course, now I'm not gonna be able to find it, but he uh, had one <laughs> one quote where he said, <laughs> he said, "There's certainly a number of issues. I wouldn't say it's one thing." So, you know, that's that's not great. That like they obviously see a, a lot of different things going on here with Carson, but but the other one was. This wasn't really one quote, but just kind of his general feeling was, you know, the turnovers are unacceptable. They're not something that can happen around here. Carson knows that. We, we're trying to coach it out of him. But it's hard for me to take that seriously when Carson's averaging two turnovers a game and he's not been benched. And I'm not a proponent of benching Carson. I don't think they should bench Carson. I don't think it's the correct thing to do for the, the franchise. But, you know, to sit there and say turnovers are unacceptable, we can't have it, like – they just admit you're never going to bench Carson because if he's averaging two turnovers a game. Like, how much worse can it get? Yeah, look, I I agree. If they weren't going to pull him yet, I, I don't know what you know what's going. to... I guess there is maybe there is a a level of you know five turnovers and a half or something crazy like well, that. Well, but that would be insane. I, mean, I know, five turnovers I know. That's I'm that, with you. Right? I'm agreeing. I'm saying I don't think they have a bar right now. Look, you and I say that too. Like you and I have both staunchly said, particularly you have said. They should not bench Carson Wentz this season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and look, so he, he had another quote where he said, you want Carson to be aggressive. We're never going to take that stinger out of him. We're not going to try to rein him in like that. And that comes on the heels of Carson saying, you know, that he knows he can't turn the ball over and walking that fine line is probably always going to be part of his game. And he's not going to try to rein himself in. Like, I think it is time to rein Carson in. Um, I mean, he's 17-17-1 and one in his last... 35 games that would be so you know clearly his style of play is not working right and it's not all his fault there's other issues you know that that are involved in this personnel coaching like to a certain degree all those things are involved but this idea that Carson that you don't want Carson to be aggressive like it's not working like the style of play for him is not working and I've said this a few times on the pod but I'll say it again but like where are these overwhelming examples of his of his aggressiveness helping this team out like where where are the examples of him extending plays and throwing it as he's going down ending up in a miraculous play like I can remember last year against the Falcons I think it was on third down he had one I mean there's there's like a handful if you really stretch but the turnovers are not outweighing them certainly like if you're going to be that type of player you're going to have to have four or five examples of positive plays for every one turnover because turnovers are, are just that critical so you know, again, I I think behind closed doors, the Eagles are trying to coach Carson. They're trying to instill these things in him. Whether he's listening, I don't know. Whether he's willing to listen, I don't know. But I don't think this is an example of the coaches like pampering him behind closed doors. I think they are telling him what he needs to heal here. But at the same time, they he knows they're not going to bench him. 
So, you know, what incentive does he really have to change? Yeah, I get what you're saying, but I think you're letting the coaches off light. And again, particularly Press Taylor, you know where I've been on this. And I've said this before. I don't I don't love that Press Taylor's in this role to begin with. I don't love the way I genuinely to my core at this point believe that Carson Wentz needs to be coach harder. I, I believe it to the core of my Me. soul. Like, as we've talked about, the best example of how Carson Wentz, his mechanics, all these things being the best they've ever been, was when John Filippo rode his ass every single day. Press Taylor does not. They're buddies. They're friendly with each other. Like, I think Press Taylor is the wrong guy to be coaching Carson Wentz. I think he's the wrong guy for the quarterback coach job, and I do think that it's affecting. So, I, like, I struggle when, Car- when Press Taylor says these things or whatever. I mean, how is that not on Press Taylor, too? I don't think you can give the coaching staff a pass on this. That that's what I think. I I agree with that to a certain extent, but Carson also has to be willing to listen to the coaching, and he has to be willing to take it in and translate well, maybe it. Maybe they need to. Off- t- they maybe they need to figure out a different way of conveying the information, right? Maybe yeah, it's not Press fair. Taylor yep. being like, "Hey, Carson, buddy, uh, you know, I really think it'd be cool if maybe you you throw the ball away in this situation." So he'd right. be like, "Motherfucker, throw the ball away in this situation, or we're gonna sit your ass on the bench." Like, we need more of that. Like, where's that? Yeah, look, I I personally think that they are. You know, I, I don't know how you would define like coaching hard to, to that degree, right? Like as we've talked about, everybody reacts to certain things differently. Like me personally, I like feedback. You know, I think they call it like a like a feedback sandwich where it's like compliment. You know, the thing yeah. that you have yes. to that's critical. And right, so like that's how I prefer my criticism. That's just who I am personally, right? I don't like getting you know yelled at or mean emails or anything like that. So like you know, I, you have to you have to address everybody differently, and I get that. But to your point. And, you know, this has kind of been a constant debate between us and certainly between, you know, the city of Philadelphia. Like, who's to blame here? Like, Doug Carson, where does it fall? You know, what percentage of the blame pie? Like, I do acknowledge that whether or not, whether they are trying to coach him correctly and whether they are giving him the right advice, it clearly is not working. So whether that means they have to change their coaching style or change the coaches, maybe. But, you know, some of that also does fall on Carson, too. Like, you know, you, you, you can only tell an employee something so many times in so many ways. And if they don't do it, like... You know, at a certain point, that's just on the employee. Yeah, look, I, I definitely not trying to convey that Carson Wentz doesn't also deserve criticism for this and also play a large role in being the person who needs to turn this around. I, I 100% agree with that. But I do think that, like, again, the Press Taylor thing is an example. I mean, if nothing else, try it differently. Like you just said, like, try being a dick to Carson. Like, try being forceful with him. Try being, like, treating him a different way. Like, don't. Whatever, like you said, Elliot, I think that's the most important point of this whole thing. Like, what they're doing is not working, period. Period. End of story. So do something different. And what the Eagles are going to have to decide, and then what the coaches personally are going to have to decide is, what's, what's like, the best path forward, right? If you're Press Taylor, like, you could end up losing your job because of this. Like, friend or not with Carson, if Carson doesn't start picking it up, if Carson continues to average two turnovers a game— like Press Taylor will not be the passing game coordinator in 2021. At the very least, he won't be working with Carson Wentz as closely. I, I can almost guarantee you that. Well, he right? better so not like, be if that's the case. Yeah, I agree. And he, but he has to decide. Like, you know, am I going to keep coaching Carson this way? Like, am I going to figure it out? And ultimately, the Eagles have to decide: is Carson worth fixing? Right? Like, is is Carson somebody that we're going to make multiple changes in the franchise for solely because of Carson? Because let's be real. Like, if you look at other areas of the team. 
the defensive ends look like they're being coached very well this year, right? New defensive end coach, it looks like they're improving. I think Barnett, although he's been a little quieter recently, has shown signs of improvement. Josh Sweat certainly has. Brandon Graham's having the best year of his career. The receiving coach, Aaron Moorhead, right? He is, it looks like he's getting the most out of these receivers. I think we've all been pleased with how, how that's going. We know what Jeff Salen is. We know what Deuce Staley is. Like, the positional coaches are doing their job. Really, quarterback is the only place where they've shown regression. The issue is with quarterback, it requires the biggest change. So that the Eagles have to ask themselves, like, if you bring in a new coaching staff, like, what does that impact other things? So it's definitely a complicated question. But just my, my biggest takeaway from Press Taylor was ultimately, like, the, the talk about how the turnovers are a big deal. It, it rings hollow when you are, you're allowing somebody to turn over two, two times a game and continue to play. Because, it, you know, if, you, if it was another position and they said, you know, we can't have guys jumping off sides. And someone jump, jumped off sides twice a game, that person would be benched. You know, like, so it, it, if it was a running back and it was saying, you know, in order to get on the field, you have to be able to protect the quarterback. Well, then that person would be on the field if they couldn't protect the quarterback. So this whole, like, notion that turnovers matter to them, it, it rings hollow. Yeah, and again, it is obviously crucially important to moving forward. So I'm with you there. All right, I, I want to get to it. another coach. You were talking about position coaches. Another one who has maybe not been quite as good as some of the others you talked about had something to say about a player he coaches. But before we get off Wentz quickly, I, I don't have a lot to say about this, but I figure we should mention that Brett Favre came out and said the Eagles yeah. should have kept Nick Foles over Carson Wentz. I really I, I have one thing to say on this. Fuck off, Brett. Like, just go away. That uh, Nobody cares. Nobody cares what you have to say. Uh, coming from you, I mean, this is like, uh, oh, my God. Like, of all people to come out and say this. So, I, I don't know. That's my only take on the Brett Favre thing. Do you have any thoughts on it? Yeah. So, here's my conspiracy hat take to this. Ooh. Ooh. Brett, Favre and Doug, Brett Favre and Doug Peterson are super close. Yes. Like, Brett Favre spoke to the Eagles before the Super Bowl, right? Brett I like Favre, where you're going I, with this. I like where you're going with this. I, I read a, a really good book about Brett Favre uh, by Jeff Perlman. I would highly recommend it. It's called Jeff Gunslinger. Jeff very like, good. I, what? Jeff Perlman is very good. He is, yeah. And I didn't even really follow Brett Favre much. I'm not like a Packers fan or anything, but I still super enjoyed it. So I'd highly recommend it. But – in that book, it does really paint like how close Doug and Brett were. Like they were really, really good friends, obviously. So I don't know. I mean, if Brett thinks that, <laughs> I just wonder. Where, I just wonder. I wonder where he's getting that from. It's, or you know, like well, what's making him think that? It's so, an outstanding conspiracy theory, and it wouldn't shock me at all. Look, I think one of the things we've talked about a lot is you know whatever we think of these guys individually and what they can be and stuff is it doesn't feel like Doug and Carson are you know, super tight. It doesn't feel like those two guys are, as we've talked about, we know for a fact they're often not on the same page, you know, both from uh, plays being called to how they look on the field to all that stuff. Like, it wouldn't shock me. I I, I think it's more likely it was a, a personal conversation that, you know, Brett, I don't think he's saying it because Doug wants him to say it, but I certainly think that could be something that Brett wouldn't have thought of if Doug Peterson had not mentioned it to him or something like that, if you know what I mean. Yeah, or it could just be, Brett's answer was as simple as, well, they won the Super Bowl with Nick Foles and they did it with Wentz. Like, it could just be something as simple as that. I just think it's pretty coincidental that someone that's Doug's best friend. It's interesting. I don't know. It's, uh, it's one of those things that you say, it's notable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it worth, it's worth noting. All right, let's get back to, uh, I stand by my my go away, Brett Favre comment, though. Uh, let's I go back. <laughs> I know. All right, you mentioned and Nick Foles not playing well is certainly not. Uh, yeah, not helping. Not helping. Foles has yeah. been awful. So, yes. Um, all right. Uh, another position coach who spoke. Ken, 
Is it flahole or flajole? I have heard both people both said many times that different people. I've always said Ken flahole, but I'm not sure if that's right, Elliot. Um, I think it's Ken flajole. Flajole. All right. I believe. I mean, flahole sounds so much better, but we'll go with Ken flajole. Ken flajole, linebackers coach. For those who don't know, uh, talked and man, I. Elliot, I just want someone on this planet. I don't know, even, you know, Emily, Zoe, just anyone, any person on this planet to love me as much as Ken Vlajol loves Nate Gary. Yeah, yeah, that's all I he want. Does. I'm not asking for much. I just want that kind of love, Elliot. He does love himself some Nate Gary. It's unbelievable. Nate Gary. So maybe it's because both their last names are tough to pronounce. Ooh, like maybe that's it. Oh, but... they're, they're in the uh, everyone messes up our last name club. I like yeah, that. That's exactly. Um, so, oh, speaking of which, this past weekend, uh, someone told me they they thought my last name for the longest my last name for the longest time was Sherba instead of Shore Parks. What? So, yeah, That's I don't know. Speaking even, of like last not name, not even close on that one. Not not even close. Yeah, but uh, so basically, what he said about Nate Gary was that you know from the outside looking in, we look and we see he's not playing very well. But he says that what Nate Gary really does at a high level. And that what they really uh, respect about him is he's really good at setting the defense up, like the pre-snaps, you know, getting the play, getting the uh, coverage in, all that stuff. And you know, that's something we just really can't speak to. Like, if they think he's going out there and he's being a good, like, quote-unquote quarterback of the defense, then it is what it yeah, is, right? Then, like, they're not going to become take- a coach, man. Then <laughs> become a coach. Like, what are we? Yeah, How about but it's this? different. How about this? Out. How about this? Coach someone up to be good at that. Like, this is not, we're not talking about a physical skill set as something that is uncoachable. Like, just coach someone else to do what Nate Gary. The idea that the the main reason, and again, we don't know that this is the only reason or whatever, but the, the main reason that someone who is a subpar player at his position is on the field is because he, he helps coach the defense when they're out there. That ain't worth it to me. It's not. There are other guys. You think Rodney McLeod can't be out there and coach defense? I'll bet you he could. I'll bet you can figure it out. I'll bet you he could. Uh, that's, yeah, that I seems like an asinine answer to me, to be honest. Yeah, I don't disagree with you on it, but that just was his rationale. And I think it does mean like when Nate Gary's health again, he's going to go back out there. I, I don't think uh, I don't oh, think this is a great. Nate Gary benching situation. This is coming terrific. Up, so. That's what everyone wants to hear. I have a Can't wait till they bench TJ Edwards after like another 14 tackle game. Like, all right, TJ, head to the bench. Yep. Go sit next yeah, to well, Mylotta and Travis Fulgham while Alshon and Peters play too. It's going to be great. Man, Alshon coming back. But I, I do have a, a linebacker prediction for uh, my prediction for the Ooh, second half. Of the year, okay, so we'll, good. Uh, we'll look forward to that. I like that. Uh, all right. We haven't talked at all, um, obviously, uh, since Sunday and since watching some, some NFC East action. Any thoughts on the weekend? Obviously, the Giants win over Washington, a game that they got five turnovers handed to them and still only won the game by three points and had to have a stop at the end. Found a way to win it, though, and and Dallas didn't suck against Pittsburgh. Or Pittsburgh sucked against Dallas, however you want to look at it. Yeah. What do you think of this weekend's action from an NFC East perspective? Well, going into it, we talked about on the last pod that I thought Washington was the biggest threat in the NFC East to uh, to the Eagles. And I said that how they played on Sunday would really let you know how big of a threat the Eagles have in their their uh, you know challenge of winning the division. Washington's terrible, and now that you know Kyle Allen's hurt, maybe Alex Smith going in there. I thought he improved as the game went on. Maybe like if you give him a week or two, he, he'll end up being a good quarterback. Which obviously in this division, like that's really could be the difference. But 
I don't know. I mean, do, do you think the Giants are potentially like an issue? I know that you oh, both play the man. Giants this week. So. I, I just like it's so. Uh, <laughs> it's one of those things where because the Eagles are bad, so you know it, you can't take anything for granted. Like you just said, look, they they beat the Giants by one point, and Evan Ingram drop catch the whole thing. They lost to Washington Week One, you know. So I feel like you can't take anything for granted, but at the same time. I can't look at any of these teams and consider them a threat. Like, I can't look at these right. teams and say that's going to be a threat to the Eagles, especially with guys coming back and potential Eagles get better. So if I had to pick who do I think is the biggest threat or will end up being the biggest threat, I guess, I guess I'll say the Giants just because they play hard, it feels like, every week. But I don't know, man. Alex Smith with more time with Washington, maybe they're the biggest threat. None of them are. They all suck so hard, Elliot. It is so hard to, to look at this like this, but we have to. Well, but what's interesting about the Giants is, and I hate doing the what-if game, but, I mean, they could very easily be 4-0 in their last four games. They lost by two to the Buccaneers. I think their last three losses have come by a total of six points, uh, and then they won the one before that. So, like, they, you're right. They have definitely been competitive. I think Daniel Jones is probably the best quarterback in the division right now. Oh, come on. Would you on. agree with that? No. Car he's not as good as Wentz. He's just not. That's that's crazy. I don't know, man. Daniel I mean, Jones uh, look, stinks. Like, I think Daniel Jones stinks. That's what I think of Daniel Jones. I think he stinks. Well, I'm not I'm not talking big picture, but I'm saying like he's turned right the ball now. over almost as much as Wentz too. It's not like he hasn't been a turnover machine too. Like I don't know. True, true. That's true. No, Daniel Wentz is probably better, but I think Daniel it's, Jones does not impress me at all. I'm just not impressed. That's by fair. That guy. That's fair. I think I think that Carson is better. I would agree with that. But I think that. Daniel Jones is better than whoever the Cowboys put out there and probably better than Alex Smith, at least right now. So that would be the only like thing I would look at. But I, I think that after watching that game, after seeing that the Cowboys were competitive but lost, so ultimately the Cowboys are done, like it's still the Eagles division to lose. Like it would be a disaster if they didn't win this division. If they lose this division to the Giants, like that is that is very, very bad for everybody involved. Oh, in that oh funny. I mean, disaster is really the word. It, it's yeah. it's unfathomable. And again, that you look, you know, and I have a shocking. So we're doing offense and defense. I did the five offense predictions. Elliot did the five defensive predictions coming up. Shocker, there is a Carson Wentz predictor, prediction in there Can't from wait. me. Yes, I'm sure we'll agree on it. Um, but it, as as the staunch and clear Carson Wentz defender on this show, assuming he stays healthy, if they don't win the division, like. It's hard to defend that guy. You know what I mean? Like, you got to step yeah. up in this spot. So, no matter who's around you, all that. I mean, we're talking again about this division. So, yeah, I I, I think it's obviously it, crucially, incredibly important. And I think they will win the division. We'll get to that in our predictions, too. But um, it is pretty wild, man. I mean, look, they're a game and a half up. And and it, it I don't know. It This division is the, the craziest thing I've ever seen. It's just such well, a dumpster Well, the tough thing, though, fight. is... On one hand, you look and you say their schedule is super difficult. On the other, a lot of people feel it's one of the easiest schedules left. But after this Giants game, I think their next five opponents have winning records. So, oh, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, it's, Cleveland has the worst Eagles record at five and three. Yeah, so I mean, I know they but beat yet, the Niners. On the flip but side, if they beat the Giants and beat the Browns, which is, I think, of all their games left, not out of the division, I think the Browns is the most reasonable one to think they can win. One hundred percent. Browns aren't yes. that great. I mean, we're, we're both not, you know, Baker Mayfield's not that great. Like, they're a beatable team. They're five and three. You look at all their wins. I mean, they beat Cincy twice. They, they've had some, some, they beat Dallas. Like, it's not like they've done a lot of impressive stuff. But um, if they do beat the Giants and then beat the Browns that next game, then we're sitting here talking about how they probably could lose out. And or other than the Dallas Washington game, 
and yet they're they've won four straight heading into it. It's this whole season is yeah. like this, you know, backwards. No, I agree. It's all backwards. And I do, man. I do think the next two games, like you got to win both of those. Or again, like you said, in this division, you know, you could potentially lose out, right? Like it wouldn't surprise me if Washington and the da- and Dallas did not win another game. Me either. So like, so you're and you're already a game and a half up. So, um, but I do think these next two. These next two are pretty big in terms of like putting some distance and making just locking this thing down. Yeah, I mean the Giants we'll game is to, must win. Like that's a like not technically, but it's it's pretty much a must win. And we'll get to it in the preview pod, but I do have some concerns about that game. Like I, I don't think this is look. I don't think any. They, oh, they almost lost to them at home uh, two weeks ago. So I I, I will yeah. not fight you on that. But we'll get to the preview pod. All right, uh, two more things, and then we'll get to our predictions quickly. Just because we just talked about it in the eight games left. And it's come up on the radio show here and there. I know it came up on the midday show. Um, Doug or Howie, eight games left, depending on how it goes. Do you think either of these guys should be playing for their jobs for, in all intents and purposes? It's a great or, question. And, and do you think they are? Both. I do not think they are. Okay. No. I think. Neither is well, the point. You don't think I do either not one believe, is. I do not believe under any circumstance Howie will be fine. I agree I mean, with you 100%. The only way. I should take that back. The only way I think Howie could be fired is if they lose each of the next eight games or go like one and seven and, and they end the year. Even then, I still even think then, Howie I don't keeps his job. I agree. I think Doug is a little more on the hot seat because he's so directly tied to Carson. And if Carson really struggles the second half of the year, which let's be honest is, you know, if not likely, like it's possible. He's really struggling nothing the first else. half. We yet. can say so, it's certainly possible. If he's really bad in the second half too, then I do think Doug could be on the hot seat. But for Doug to save, for Doug to like lock in his job, I think Carson has to improve. Now I don't believe either will be fired. I think they'll each get this year because Lurie likes both of them. That matters. I think the fact he didn't like Chip personally mattered, and how quickly he pulled the you know pulled the plug on on Chip. But like if this year ends poorly, then 2021 like they both enter on the hot seat. But I, I don't think. Over the last eight games, like you want to see from Doug, you want to see Carson improve, and then from Howie, I guess you want to see the young guys improve, right? You want to see if Rager looks good. You want to see if my lot is out there, how he's playing. You want to see, you know, I guess you won't really see Jalen Hurts, but or, or probably not Davion Taylor, but you would just want to see how some of these young guys are playing. And if you're Lurie, you can look and say, okay, it looks like maybe some of these young talent, this, this, these young talented players Howie brought in are uh, improving. Yeah, I think you nailed it. Again, I I agree with you. I don't think, look, uh, even. It, especially look they're probably gonna make the playoffs but if if they bottom out or whatever again i i think doug would go before howie but i don't think either will i think there's a small chance if things just go completely downhill and they lose this division that it could be doug like i I, it's an outside chance but i think ultimately like like you're gonna look at it and say even with the question stuff like for jeffrey Lurie to make the playoffs three years in a row and then finally not make it and fire the coach who won them the super bowl like it just it doesn't feel right to me. Like it doesn't feel yeah. like something Jeffrey Lurie would do. So I, I agree with you. I think ultimately they will not be on the hot seat no matter what happens. But again, I do think it is worth mentioning. All right. One last thing before we get to our second half predictions, um, the NFL contingency plan for the playoffs, for those who missed this, the, the concept of it is uh, if the league has to miss meaningful games was the way they, they phrased it, or a meaningful game. So essentially if they have to skip or cancel a game, that would have affected the playoff race. Then their contingency, so the idea that they're going to have to use winning percentage. Um, the idea that they would, uh, or if they have to skip a week of the season, they can't make the game up. 
Uh, the idea is they would rejigger, so to speak, the way the playoffs would shake out. They would add a playoff team in each conference. So it would be eight playoff teams in each conference, one through eight. So the division winners would still get in. But once everyone is in, it is eight teams seeded from first to last. So the Eagles would essentially go from being the four seed in the current playoff set- setup to being the eight seed and going on the road to play the one seed. Now, the one seed, of course, loses out too in the sense that they would have had a bye in the original playoff thing. They will not. So they wouldn't case, get a bye. They would not one. get a bye. So it would be the eight, se- eight teams get in, the four division winners, next four best teams seeded from one to eight by record. Division winning does not matter just to get you in. How do you feel about this, Elliot? How do you feel about the potential for an in-season change like this? The whole thing. I don't like it. I don't. I get that you're going to have to, you know, adjust as things happen because of obviously COVID, because the game is potentially being canceled. But I don't like the idea of reshuffling uh, how these teams are seated. I don't like the idea of a home away games being switched. I mean, on, on a first note, let's just take the fact that forget the competitive part. This is taking away home games from Eagles fans that are now allowed to attend. And I'm not going to cry over Jeffrey Lurie losing money, but it is taking away revenue from the home team as well, right? From a home playoff game, not as much as it would normally, but it is still taking away revenue. So I think that the teams themselves will will not like this. Um, And then from a competitive advantage, it's not fair. Like you're changing the rules halfway through the season and not just uh, uh, some rule, random rule. This is how it's been, you know, for a very long time. Like, if you win the division, you get a home game. You get rewarded for winning your division. And I understand the NFC is not good this year, but that happens sometimes. But the majority of the time, the division winner is a quality football team. It's just not going to be the case this year. And that being said, who knows how the Eagles will be at the end of the year? Maybe at the end of the year, even if the Eagles finish seven, eight, and one or whatever, and they win their last six games. You know, like they should be allowed to host a home playoff game if they win their division. I don't like it. I don't like it overall. Like if this offseason we're having this discussion, I would not like it. I think that the divisional winners should get to host their home playoff game. But I especially don't like it midway through the year because I think it really changes how you kind of have to look at the Eagles chances in the playoffs. And it's just it's not fair. Yeah, I this isn't even a question. Like you can't change rules on the fly. Like that's just it. That's and I know it's COVID and there you have to adjust not. But there's a fundamental thing here. There's a fundamental rule of the structure of the playoffs, of how teams make the playoffs and how teams are seeded in the playoffs and how those teams have chances in the playoffs. It is uh, You can't do it. Like, as far as I'm concerned, you can't make a change this dramatic to structure once the season already started. Like, that's it. Like, figure I'm sorry, figure out another contingency plan. Like, I'm sure you can figure yeah. something else out. Like, guess what? Add a week to the season if you need to. Add a week to the Super Bowl. If the Super Bowl is in the middle of February, then guess what? Them's the breaks. But you can't mm-hmm. change the structure. You can't change the system. It is it is blatantly, patently unfair. That's it. So how would this change your outlook on the Eagles? Um, I mean, not much. Uh, you know, obviously I would feel less good about their chances in the playoffs. Um, I've already, you know, I, I want them to make the playoffs like you, but I was less strong in that to begin with than than you were, where it was, you know, kind of your your driving force there. And I wonder more if it changes your perspective than mine. For me, it's like, you know, I still want them to make the playoffs. I, I still would, would take the experience, the opportunity. Uh, you know, you get in. Uh, to your point before, all they need to do is be the better team on one day. I wouldn't expect it nor count on it. Uh, but I, I, it doesn't change it that much. You? So I said this on the midday show, and I do still believe it, but I don't know. P- part of me feels like if the Eagles are going to be at an away game versus a home game, 
I would rather them just tank at that point because I don't think they're going to go on the road and beat a quality team. I just don't. Like, I know they beat San Francisco, but San Francisco has proven to be not that good. I think they said if the playoffs ended today and this happened, they'd be traveling to Tampa Bay. They're not going into Tampa Bay and beating the Buccaneers, as bad as the Buccaneers have looked at times. I just don't believe they're they're going to do that. So I also wonder, I, I've and I've said this a lot on the pod, like getting Carson Wentz playoff experience is the top priority. Is it even playoff experience if there's no fans? Like, I guess it is, and I still believe that, yeah, but I, I think I've, it I've is. been thinking think about that is. more and more. I know what you mean, but yeah, I think it is. I mean, the game still matters okay. that way, you know? I just think if you're going on the road, the chances you win in the game are just so slim. Versus at home, I think you have a, you would have a, if not be favored, I think you'd have a decent shot. So it would it would definitely change how I would look at things, for sure. All right, well, that's interesting. Let's, uh, let's hope it doesn't get approved, nor would... Uh, would it actually come into play? Obviously, best case scenario, the contingency is not needed. All right, let's get to it. Uh, second half predictions. Offense, defense, and then we'll also get into our uh, what we see happening over the next eight games, what the final record will be, and all that. You want to start off or you want me to go first? You can go first, buddy. Okay. It's all you. All right. Well, let's just, uh, let's just throw it all on the table, as they say. Carson Wentz is going to be way better. In the second half of the season. I, I, I okay. genuinely believe it. Look, we this is a guy who, again, it can be maddening at times, but has been inconsistent. And we have seen him last year in the Seattle game, the worst game he's ever played, maybe other than last week. Five turnovers was absolutely awful. And then two weeks later, he's making a run of a month-long run as, as the quarterback we all wanted him to be with a bunch of nobodies around him and all that type of stuff. Uh, look, Carson, yes, it's maddening at times, but he has shown the ability to go from the worst quarterback in the league to one of the best, from game to game, literally, sometimes from half to half. So I, I just think we're going to see a, a better version of Carson Wentz, a week off to worry about things. They can actually kind of drill down a little bit, a little more comfortable with the players out there. Plus, he's getting players back. Miles Sanders is coming back. Zach Ertz is coming back. Offensive line healing and potentially can protect him a little bit. I think we're going to see a way better version of Carson Wentz in the second half. So for you, what would define a way better Carson? Like, do you just know it when you see it? Or is yeah, there, like, some look, type I of think statistical? It, I, now there, I mean, look, there's no, I mean, obviously less turnovers. I think we could say that, yeah. obviously. I, you know, that goes without saying. Um, but I, I think it's just going to be something, you know, when you see it. It's going to be that guy that we saw last year, a guy kind of carrying the team at times, putting him on his back. I think we will feel like Carson Wentz is clearly the best quarterback in this division at the end of the season, that he helped kind of carry them there. Okay, so... Before I get to my defensive ones, I wrote down my Carson, uh, you know, uh, prediction. I think Carson ends with 24 touchdowns and 20 interceptions. So I think what's he at right he now? Does, just for context, he's at 12, 12, and uh, he's at 12 and 12. So I think okay. he'll have more touchdowns and interceptions the second half of the season. So I guess by that regard, I think he'll improve as well. Um, I don't think he's going to continue to be a bottom three quarterback in the league. I just don't. I do think he'll improve. So um, that would be my my Carson 24 and 20. It's kind of my uh, my guess for the final eight games. Um, we talked about this briefly on the Saturday show, but this is going to be my prediction. I do think Brandon Graham is going to get double-digit sacks. Yeah, I think buddy. he's just playing at such a high level. Uh, he has, what does he have now, six and a he half, seven. I think? He has seven. Seven. So he needs three in the final eight games. I Which, definitely think he's going to get it done. Yeah. And I do. Th- I would bring him back in 2021 if I were the Eagles. I know uh, Mad Mike from Plymouth Meeting calls in the radio show, says he doesn't want him back, and this is kind of convincing them to hand another bad contract. But I think he's playing at a high level. Um, I think he's going to get 10-plus sacks, and I think I think he could be the only uh, potential guy that you hear mentioned for the Pro Bowl on this team. 
Yeah, I said to you on the Saturday radio show, I think he's going to be an all-pro this year. I think he's going to have that kind of second half, and he's already heading there. Look, if he has the same half he had in the first half and the second half, he's going to be an all-pro. So I I think he's heading there. I think he looks great. He's playing with a a fire that we love to see. So I'm with you. I love that call. All right, uh, number two for me, Travis Fulgham is real. He will have over Mm. 1,100 yards and nine touchdowns this season. 1,100 yards, nine touchdowns. Let's go. Fulgham's legit. Who would be the last Eagles receiver to get 1,100 yards? got to be Macklin or, or Deshaun, I would think, right? I don't think – did Jordan Matthews ever get it? No. No, no, no. I don't think so. No? Well, he got – okay, so Matthews got 997 in 2015. So he came somewhat close. But, yeah, I mean, it would have to be – I mean, I guess if you include Ertz, Ertz might have gotten there, but I don't think he, include, he includes as a receiver. So, yeah, I mean, that would obviously be very legit at that point. Uh, does Howie resign him if he does that? Like, what's or I guess I should say extend him to a deal, or do you wait another year? I that'll all depend on what it means for salary. Like, if if Howie can keep it cheap for next year when it's an issue, and then find a way, it almost seems like what's the point? You know, with the way their structure is, but yeah, I think if he's if he it finishes out this year legit, I, I wouldn't be shocked to see Howie try and figure out a way to lock it up. But he's so cheap next year, and you're so cash strapped. Right. I don't know if there's a rush to. I would wait a year, and if you pay him a little more in a year, fine. But I'd rather get that year of uh, of a low cap hit, especially with your cap situation as it is. And I'd make him do it another year, too. So I, I would wait a year. All right, here's my second one. Darius Slay does not get an interception this Whoa, year. Oh, buddy. So yeah. talk, well, but, talk it through. Because obviously he's been great. He has not had an interception yet, but he's played really good football. Uh, what's well, that's the my th- reasoning. Okay. I, I just don't think he's going to get targeted enough. Okay. I, I don't think, uh, I mean, this first half of the year, he barely, he's, you know, I guess outside of the Steelers game where they went after him a little bit, he really has not been targeted much. They've, he, they've gone against, he's gone against the best guy on the other team and um, he's done really well. So I don't think he's going to get an interception, which would be a bit of a disappointment when you consider one of the main reasons how he said he wanted to trade for him is he's this is a guy that goes and gets the ball back as a playmaker. For him not to get one would be a disappointment, but I think he's still having an outstanding year. Uh, and so, but I don't think he's going to get an interception. Okay. Uh, I look, I, I think that makes a lot of sense logically, uh, you know, how that could play out that way. He could still play really well, but not get an interception. That's certainly possible. Um, all right. Uh, next one for me. And this is a, this is a, I'm going to throw it out there. And this is something that you've brought up throughout the season in preseason. You noticed something that was interesting. You're like, why is this? And, and then it's kind of carried on. And then an Instagram post or this or that or whatever. My prediction Brandon Brooks will play a snap for the Eagles this season. Mm. Wow. Would you put him out there, though? Yeah, why not? If he's healthy and ready to go, 100%. Yes. He's the best guard on the team immediately. Why wouldn't you? Yeah, but it just depends when. Like, So let's say you get Sayamalu back, which looks like it could happen, and he's playing at normal Sayamalu level. Like, Herbig's been really good this year, and I would be somewhat worrisome to throw Brooks back out there. I understand why you have to do it. I understand the upside with him. I understand it's his job, all that stuff. I mean, it will happen. But if if he t- can play, they will put him out there. But but go ahead. I'm just saying, like, you agree, like, if he's healthy. They and, will, yes. Yes, they that, will. that's all I'm saying. But go ahead. But, but I do wonder if maybe they say, like, look, man, no reason to rush back here. Right? Like, I think if, like, the guard situation was worse than it was, then maybe. But I just think if it's, like, week 16 and – you had Herbig, who's played at a high level, or not a high level, but at least played at a pretty good level all year and is used to being out there, is in midseason form, all that stuff. Like That would be my concern with putting Brooks out there, but I would put the chance of him playing a snap this year at 10%. It's That's a, bold, would, it's a would, bold one. It's a bold one, but I'm going bold, for it. Yes. 
Agreed. It's definitely a bold one. All right. Next one. Defense will finish in the top 15 in points per game allowed. They've done it each year under under Schwartz. They're currently 18th. They've been in the top 15 each of the last four years. So I think the defense will be better the second half of the year. I think they'll, they'll, they will allow fewer points. And I think that, as we've seen, the defense will be what it is under Jim Schwartz. Like, they'll have a few good games in a row where they're, they're allowing, you know, around 20, 21 points. Uh, I thought it was interesting that only two teams, I believe, right now are giving up an average of under 20 points a game. So hmm. it's just that, very that hard right now in the NFL. Yeah to keep keep teams off the board but i do think the defense will be better in the second half even with a bit of a tougher schedule but you have baker who you know is definitely turnover prone you have the giants you have washington you still have the cowboys so i I think that there's chances there for defense the defense to really have some strong games and i think they'll finish in the top 15 i think that is eminently possible and and likely probable i i'm with you i think that makes a lot of sense there and i i think the defense will get better you know i think the defense is going to get better over the second half of the season as guys come back and they can kind of you know, stay healthy, so to speak, hopefully. I feel pretty good about the defense into the second half. All right, uh, my next one. Uh, and this is not a very specific one. Uh, it is more of a general one, but I'm guessing you will agree with me. Zach Ertz won't suck when he comes back. Hmm. Yeah, I would agree with you on that. I think, look, I think it's a little bit in the Carson Wentz vein of it can't really get much worse. So <laughs> there's only... There's only really room for improvement, right? Um, but I agree. Look, the reality is Carson playing better means a better Zach Ertz because Ertz's game is so dependent on Wentz, especially since it's you know accurate throws over the middle of the field, like all that stuff. So I think if Wentz is better, Ertz will be better. I think when Ertz comes back, maybe having a few weeks off will kind of you know get him get him uh, back into things. The question is, if Goddard plays really well over these next few weeks, like and they're working with eleven personnel and that's working. Who is the tight end? It's a great right? do, question. Do, do, do they split snaps between him and Goddard? Do Does Goddard get the majority of the snaps? I mean, that'll be interesting to see, but I do think Ertz will be better once he's back. Yeah, I do too. I think that, like you said, it can't be much worse, but I think I think Ertz is going to have something to prove when he comes back. And again, like he is playing for a contract, whether it's here or somewhere else. He's playing for a contract. I think we get a better version of Zach Ertz when he comes back. It was a bad start to the season. There was a lot swirling around with the contract stuff and all that. I think after, you know, kind of rehabbing, getting back on the field, I, I think he makes a difference. I think Zach Ertz is going to help this team. What you got How next? about this? Better chance the Eagles win a playoff game or Zach Ertz is on the team in 2021? Better chance they win a playoff game. Hmm. And what would you put that chance at? I mean, not. I mean, they, <laughs> they're going to make the playoffs. I mean, like 25% maybe? So you seem pretty sure Ertz isn't back. I don't think Ertz is going to be back. Do you? The Well... I didn't, but if things continue to go really poorly, like could be cheap type of like, hey, why yeah, not? what are they gonna do? Yeah, Cut them? Like, I don't know. Point. I mean, that's a fair point, actually. It's a fair point. Well, they might do what so they I, did with Malcolm, let him walk and go find something else. Maybe, but Malcolm didn't. Like, yeah, it could. That could happen. I, I still think the chances are less than fifty percent. But if he's having a down year, like from Earth's perspective, he might say, "Yeah, you know what? Bring me back. Like, I'll I'll take my salary at this rate. It's possible. The money it is possible. Out there. Yeah, it's possible. All right, what you got next? I referenced this with Brandon Graham, and I think he has a shot. But I don't think the Eagles are going to get a single pro bowler on defense this year. I don't think Fletcher Cox will get it. I don't think Darius Slay will get it. Um, Brandon Graham is probably their best shot, I would say. But I don't think you'll see a single wow. pro bowler. Oh, I think he's – I see, I, I don't think your two predictions jive. I think if Brandon Graham ends up with you know, 11, 12 sacks, he'll be a pro bowler. Well, but the issue is – 
that there's no alternates this year. So it's only the first. So I mean, he's got to beat he's, out. I think he's going to be a first or second team all pro. So I obviously think he's making the Pro Bowl. Um, but, like, I mean, who, who's making it in front of him? If not, I mean, he's he's first. Uh, he's the leader in defensive end sacks in the, in, the Nash, in, the, in the NFC. I mean, he's got the most sacks of anyone in the NFC. Aaron Donald's the only one ahead of him. And I think Zadarius Smith is tied. He's a linebacker. Yeah. I just feel like, look, I think Brandon Graham, despite being a, a – great player in Eagles Hall of Famer has never really gotten the respect kind of like nationally that he deserves. And I think that could hurt him this year. Um, that's my prediction. I don't think he'll get in, but I right. obviously hope he does. He's going to earn it. I would, uh, would be yeah. surprised. I would strongly we look disagree at Pro Wars, with We're one. talking about him getting snubbed. I like this. This is the one of your ones I disagree with the most. I like it. Uh, all right. This is one. All right. Again, remember, and, and I, I kind of tried to go a little bold with some of these, as we know, as you can tell by the Brandon Brooks one, I want to, you know, kind of be a little more provocative, but, um, it doesn't mean that I, I want all these things to happen. Just prep prefacing this one, my last one here with that. Uh, but here's what I'm going to say. And this is maybe the boldest one of all, maybe even bold. Right. Right? I think Jason Peters will be the starting left tackle for the rest of the season and will play in mm. every game. How about that? I agree. Yeah. I think, I think, he's, I, I think he's you. got someone breathing down his neck. I think, look, we saw in the last game, like, Jason Peters taps out of that game 99 times out of 100, and he didn't. He stayed in. He fought. He played through it. Like, I think Jason Peters is seeing that, all right, like, if I – the moment I leave the field, they have someone who might be better than me, like, potentially, and certainly is is of my level and is also younger and a part of the future. I think Jason Peters knows that every time he leaves the field, it could be for the last time, theoretically. And I think he's going to fight through it. I think we're going to see Jason Peters find a way to finish this season out. And look, well, sure we know they're going to start him. We know he's going to be the starting left tackle. No matter what we want, no matter what anyone in this city or the world wants, if Jason Peters is healthy, he's going to be their left tackle. That's it. It's done. Yep. I agree with that one, actually. And that is bold, just saying he'll Thank stay you. healthy. I thought but, it was pretty but bold, I but I was like, I'm going for it here. All right. My final one. Eagles fans aren't going to like this either, I don't think. But TJ Edwards earns a, stop, a spot as a starting linebacker in 2021. I think he's going to play well like enough the that. second half Why, of the why year. wouldn't people like that? I think we like TJ Edwards here. We're, we're TJ Edwards. Because it means they're not probably not going to make a big move at linebacker. But does anyone actually opinion. expect them to? I mean, <laughs> True. the next big move at linebacker would be the first big move at linebacker. Right. And look, Schwartz was talking about talking talking about him this week, saying how you know, he uh, did maybe didn't test well, but he's a really good football player. It's clear Schwartz is a big fan of his. I think Schwartz is going to be back as defensive coordinator in 2021. TJ Edwards coming off that really big game against Dallas. I do think he'll have a really big second half of the year, and uh, I think he's going to earn his spot as a starting linebacker. All right. I like that one. I'm I'm in on TJ Edwards. I can You're definitely get that one. All right. I, I did a bonus one for you. You ready? I got one per more. Perfect. This is the sixth. We said five each. I did a bonus one. And... This is the one I, I least expect to be true, even though it is true on a basic level. And we all know it. I don't expect everyone to acknowledge it. But here's my prediction. And again, it, it this is not going to be 100% because there are always going to be people who are going to be like, well, we don't really know or this or that. But, but mm. here's my last prediction, offense-related, by the end of the season. At the end of the season, everyone out there will agree and acknowledge that Justin Jefferson is oh. and will be a better football player than Jalen Rager. No offense to Rager, but at a certain point, we all need to come to grips with it, accept it, 
and move forward. Doesn't mean Riker can't be a good football player, but he is not Justin Jefferson. He ain't never going to be Justin Jefferson, and we're all going to know it by the end of the season. If you don't know it already, which you probably should, thank you very much. So Rager has already entered that zone where whenever you talk about him, you have to add a, a ton of qualifiers. <laughs> Otherwise, I know, I know. you risk upsetting people. Like people there's certain players, like too. with Nate Gary, I could say literally anything and nobody would care, right? Like People would support I have it. To people would be it. like, yeah, right. get him. Right. But with Rager, like you have to add all these things. Like, And I know he's been hurt. And I know it's just one year. And I know his <laughs> little lot. Like, and but, I know Justin Jefferson's still a rookie. And I know this. And I know that. Right. I get yeah. it. Yeah, exactly. Like, and he's playing with Adam Thielen, which helped like all this stuff. <laughs> but I agree. I, I, I think I think by the end of the year, that, awesome. that will be very clear. I feel good about that. So I'll, I'll throw a last one in, too. Ooh, love it. On the fly. Okay. My dude. Whenever the Eagles play their last game this year, whenever that last snap is, that will be Derek Barnett's last snap with the Eagles. Oh, that is a good one. I, I don't think he's I back like in this one. one. Because of Josh Sweat? Cap, I think he has a nine or $10 million cap hit. I think Josh Sweat and Brandon Graham will be the starting defensive ends in 2021. And I don't think you're going to pay him to be a backup. I don't think they'll extend him. I think he'll be a trade a trade piece uh, if they can in the offseason. I love that one. And I actually think you're right. And then Barnett's shown some this year, but I think that makes a lot of sense, especially. Considering the cap situation for next year, that seems like a place where you could cut a little and not lose as much because of sweat. Uh, all right, uh, prediction time. Second half of the season. Obviously, we've all made our predictions already for the season originally, but let's throw those out. We got new information. The Eagles are 3-4 and run right now. We know what the schedule is the rest of the year. Elliot, what will be their final record this season, and will it be good enough to take down the NFC East? So I do think the Eagles are going to win the NFC East. And I don't think it might not even be that close, honestly. Their last two games are divisional games. They might not be playing for anything. I did an article on WIP recently where I went through each game. I'll just do that really quickly. I have them winning this Sunday, although I would like to say that is not my official prediction yet. This is we just will, my we, larger We have picture. the preview pod coming later in the week. No worries. We will elaborate. We'll see where you stand. All right. So 4-4-1. Four, four, and one. They beat the Browns. 5-4-1. and one. Lose to Seattle, lose to Green Bay, lose to New Orleans, lose to Arizona. And I get, you know, you'll say, well, they can't lose four in a row. They'll win one of those. I don't think they will. I think those teams are just all way better. You have to go to Green Bay, which is really tough. I think the most winnable of them is actually home versus New Orleans. But New Orleans look pretty good on Monday night. And maybe they're just better than we think they are. So I think they lose all four of those games. But then I think they beat Dallas at home to move to, or sorry, in Dallas. I think that's the night they clinched the NFC East at six, eight, and one, and then they beat Washington the next week at seven, eight, and one. Maybe their starters aren't playing. Maybe this is a Jalen Hurts game, but I think they win their final two games to finish seven, eight, and one. I have the exact same thing, seven, eight, and one, and essentially I'm planning on it being those exact games that they win. Now, could they lose the Giants and beat Arizona? Sure, like there could be stuff in there, and and who knows? Maybe they win all those and actually beat Arizona. I think that's. Very unlikely, though there are people out there. Ike Reese thinks they go five and three in their last six or in their last eight. So there are people out there who know what they're talking about. Uh, Ross Tucker said he thinks they go four and four or five and three potentially. So there are people who think they can get to that threshold. I'm with you. I think seven, eight, and one. And I would play it out exactly like you did in terms of wins and losses. But it wouldn't shock me if one loss is a win and one win is a loss because it's the NFL and weird stuff happens. We all know that. Um, so. But I'm with you. I'm at seven, eight, and one. I actually was closer to six, nine, and one than eight, seven, and one. So I am, yeah. you know, definitely seven, eight, and one is probably my limit of where I think they can be. I don't, I don't see them going five and three over those last uh, eight. But 
I think seven eight one is is good enough to win the division. I think, like you said, I think it's good enough to win the division by like a game and a half or more potentially. You know, so I think I think the top reason to be optimistic about the team is Doug. I mean, he's shown he can pull it together at the end. He's been very good in December, but outside of that, like, I don't know, man. Like, it's hard for me to sit here and say that like this is a team that could go six and two or five and three. Yeah, like they just hard. haven't shown it. Yeah. So, but I think Doug, if we sit here at the end of the year and we say. How they turn it around. Carson will certainly be a huge part of it, and he'll deserve credit. But I think it's, again, just like Doug is a great head coach, and he knows how to win the game, wins big games when he has to. Yeah. Uh, look, I I ultimately think the reason they're going to turn it around is because I think Carson Wentz is going to be better. I think on a basic level, the, as we've all talked about, as we all know, whether you love Carson or, or not, that the, the biggest, quickest, easiest way this team can be better immediately is him playing better. And I think that's yeah. going to happen. But I do agree. I think Doug is a big part of it as well. And I, I you know, look, Doug's a closer. <laughs> I mean, he just is. I mean, yes. he just, he just is. His guys, when their backs are against the wall, find their way to play their best. So, you know, we hope that happens again. Ellie, you got any final thoughts before we get out of here? Yeah. So the Sixers jerseys came out, and when they first came out, I absolutely hated them. But I feel like they've taught me something about myself, which is when they came out, I was like, oh yeah, those are definitely ugly. That was my thought. And then once everybody hated them, I was like, they're not that bad. Oh, like there was just something oh, about everybody you. hating them that was that was like, you know what? Back off, everybody. So you're saying like, you're contrarian? So, Is that what you're trying to say here? Oh yeah, maybe I am. I don't know. But uh like my ultimate final take on the Sixers jerseys is I like that they're black. I like the blue and red around the edges. I don't even mind the design. And this is coming from somebody that thinks Kelly Drive is the best road in the city. Like to put Boathouse Row on them is just so silly. So okay. ultimately, Let, I do not think I like them. Yeah. Well, he, he, okay. They're ho- They're horrible. Like, they're absolutely awful. And this is only you, your contrarian in you. that is even about them outside you're of like, the You're like, oh, I like boathouse. the black. You're saying I like a little bit of the colors. Like, yes. The, what do you well, mean outside of the Boathouse Row? The Boathouse Row is the whole thing. It's a it's a travesty. It is horrible looking. Yeah. They are hard. The, they did one good thing with those uniforms, and that was put the little TTP in there. That's pretty cool. I like that. But those uniforms are a disaster. Like they are just flat out awful. No, contra- there is no contrarian take. There is only one take. They're bad. That's it. So my only thing with the TTP being in there is, and we're just going to keep it completely honest. Our boss Spike Eskin came up with that. Him and well, the right Tony Roten, crowd. Tony Roten technically came up with it, but well, they, but I'm just they saying, popularized it's a, it. It's a thing because of Spike Eskin and the Rights Ricky Sanchez podcast. Let's keep it real. And it's also something I feel like when the Sixers fired Sam Hinkie, they tried to like distance themselves from. So now to put it on the jersey to me is a little like you don't get to be in on the joke now. You don't get to like all of a sudden embrace trust the process to me. But that's I, just look, my take I, I think that's fair. I look, I think they're doing the fans. I, I like it because there are a large segment of the fans who do deserve do, do deserve to do that and are allowed to do that, and thus it's really for them. So I'm okay with it, but I agree with what you're saying. Ultimately, like, you know, none of these guys had anything to do with it, nor did they. They only did things to harm it. So, yeah, I, I think that's a fair take, I suppose. But on the whole, Thank you. regardless, they're horrible. They're terrible. Yes, I fall down. I, my final take on them is I do not like them. Okay. That is my final we, take. So we got to where we needed to be. Uh, rate- yes, it just took a little longer than expected. <laughs> Thank you. Rate- yeah, you were you were in the right place originally, and then you got back there. Uh, rate and review the pod. Again, if we get to um, 2,000 five-star reviews, or when we get to 2,000 five-star reviews, we're going to take the SATs, post our scores online, and you can make fun of us, and it'll be a great time 
for everyone involved. Also, uh, later this week, our preview pod, Eagles-Giants, will be out. We will pick every game against the spread for our Parks pod. Our Saturday 1-3 to three show on WIP. Check us out there. Ellie, we've got a lot going on, man. No rest for the weary. Yes. Hey, man, second half of the season. It's time to get going here. Boom. Oh, I'm excited. I like that. It's time to get going. The playoff push begins, Elliot. The there you playoff go. push playoff begins. Push. All right. The road to Tampa. <laughs> the, the, first in the wild card <laughs> round and then for the playoffs. The Carson Wentz MVP half a season starts now. Yes. <laughs> All right. Yes, it does. All right. We'll be back later in the week. He's Elliot M. James. We'll see you later.